Welcome back to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 18th episode, we have artist Kelly Lynn Jones, who also manages the wonderful online store, Little Paper Planes. I will make a special note that the audio does get a little sketchy at times, so I hope that's not too much of an issue. So stay tuned. Well, we are here with Kelly Lynn Jones. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well now that now that we figured out all of our audio issues. Again, I thank you for your your patience on that. Um, and so, um, where are you based out of? Just to just to kind of clarify for those that are listening, I guess. I am currently living in Oakland, California. Ah, ah. Um, and are you from California and and kind of raised there and everything? Yeah, I'm from right outside of Los Angeles. Okay. And so, I don't know, what, what was that like? Because, you know, it, it's interesting to me because I, I seem to get like a, I don't know, two sides two sides of a story on L.A. And considering that I, I haven't been there in a while, I you know, maybe that's what I need to do is go there. But <laughs> what was that experience like? I am going to be one of those people that says I love L.A. Uh, I'm hoping to move back there eventually. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, I didn't really have any sort of real connection. I didn't think much about it. I went, you know, to a lot of like punk rock shows in LA and that was pretty much my experience in it. And then I moved up to San Francisco when I was 18. And then I moved to Boston for a little bit and then came back to San Francisco. And then in 2004 is when I made an official move to Los Angeles, which is I moved to Silver Lake. And so I lived in LA proper, I guess. And I was there for a little over four years. And then I moved back up to San Francisco for grad school. And I'm hoping to make my move back to LA um, in the next two years. So a lot of hopping around, it sounds like. A lot of back and forth with Southern and Northern California. And I have, I have love hate for both places. Um, but and I love the community and I love the people here in the Bay Area, um, but I think that I should be in LA. Right, right. Well, and so you know, in terms of I guess your your you know your actual childhood experiences. I mean, um, was art making something that that kind of I don't know if you look back on it, things that, things that kind of pop up where you're like, oh yeah, I used to do this or that. I've been making art since. I can even remember. I mean, there's drawings that I did when I was three that were like full on people drawings, which I was kind of impressed with myself, <laughs> but they weren't even stick figures. Like, they're actually like real um, like arms and uh, real drawings. But um, I mean, I feel like my I've always navigated the world as an artist or a maker and have been extremely imaginative and creative. Like, I would just sit in my room all day long, just with nothing and my mom would hear me just talking to myself because I would just like make up my little like stories and um luckily I didn't grow up in the internet age so I was you know I had to be outside a lot um my mom was always working and so my brother and I we just were outside and we would um, make up stories all the time so I think that my whole life has always been revolved around some sort of imaginative artistic practice in a way Right. Well, and it's, and it's interesting too, because, um, 
you know, having, having talked to a number of other artists and, you know, obviously we all do, but, um, it seems like there's a, there's certainly some common themes. Um, though I have encountered those that are, you know, extremely into sports and, and stuff like that. Um, but, um, so then in terms of, you know, kind of starting that, that artistic practice in a, I guess a more a scholarly kind of setting, I mean, I, I imagine that you're taking classes in high school in that or, and then that kind of transitioned into undergraduate work. Right. I mean, I started taking art classes really early on, like five, six, age five or six, um, painting classes, drawing classes. I also did like piano and ballet, so I was interested in all sorts of art, um, you know, different uh, realms. But and then in high school, all I did was take art classes, any art class I could take. Unfortunately, my high school was not really geared towards the arts. So I had a really hard time in high school. It just wasn't the right match for me. There was basically one art teacher. She was not the best. And I took every class from her. And uh, I even tried to graduate early. Or I, I asked my mom if I could take the GED so I could just go to college. So I could go to art school because I already knew. But my, um, my mom wouldn't let me. In hindsight, she says she should have. But... Um, and so when I was 18, I graduated and left and went to art school to study fashion design originally. And then um, I ended up dropping out after a year and a half and just wanted to be a painter. And I just worked at a coffee shop and painted all the time. And then I moved across country to Boston because I thought that I wanted to go to the, uh, Mass Art, which was a public art school. But I wasn't really in Boston, so then I moved back to San Francisco and uh, went to undergrad for painting at 22. Um, and I felt like me going to school at 22 was way better than me going to school at 18 because I was more focused, I knew what I wanted to do, and I was completely 200% into school once I was there. Um, and then I graduated um, at 25 no, it's in undergrad. I was gonna say that's 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 interesting because I mean that's something yeah, it's kind of similar to my 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 experience between undergrad and graduate school. There's something that um, I don't know, just being in a being in an environment where you realize that nobody cares about I don't know painters. <laughs> At least that's what I that's what I felt when I when I was a framer. You know, it's just kind of like I've got this I've got this degree that nobody really cares about, and you know, you kind of have to learn how to I don't know run everything for yourself and, and all that other stuff. So it sounds like you had a real, you know, good, good setup in terms of exploring that in undergraduate. And so, um, I take it that's predominantly what you were doing then is a, is a lot of painting then at the time. Yeah, I was extremely pro painting. Um, I was in undergrad and, and right after where, you know, I felt like everything I identified with was being a painter. Um, and though I didn't really feel that the professors, helped facilitate some sort of um, structure of like how do you how do you go out into the world like now what um, it was kind of like yeah have fun with that I remember my uh, my senior painter painting teacher my last semester told us that only one percent of us will still be making art in five years um, which actually I mean even though it was kind of discouraging <laughs> it actually is kind of true because it is hard. It's not an easy 
life. I mean, I, I would not want anything but this life, but it's not for everybody. And it's been, and I can't count all the years, but it's definitely been past five years. <laughs> Maybe eight, I don't know. But, um, and I'm still in art. But, uh, but that was something that I felt was hard because you can go to art school and you can have that lifestyle of like being in class and having a studio, but the real test is what does it mean to be an artist outside of that? Because that is just a fake reality. Because when you're when you're at home and, and you know having to form like relationships, having to have a job, and trying to find an art practice within all of that is the challenging part. Oh sure, you know, and I think just any anybody that works full time too. I mean. Um... You know, I, I just, I remember especially adjusting from that and kind of thinking like, you know, who, I, I just, I don't know, like it, it, there was a period of time where I just couldn't find the time, you know, because yeah. you come home and you're just drained and it's, you know, eight o'clock and you're just like, you know, I think I just want to chill out instead of, you know, turn my attention and focus for four hours. So you kind of figure out how to set your own, your own goals and, and, you know set up your own deadlines for things to happen, so. It's hard, especially if you don't have deadlines. Like, what what do you do if you don't have a show coming up or something? So it's like constructing this, uh, this world for yourself because there isn't always something out there for you to, like, make work for. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and, and uh, I will, just to kind of hit, hit, hit off of something really, really quickly, um, I am really curious where the one percent um, figure comes from, because I've it's it's interesting because I I think I've had a number of people bring this up and I remember hearing the same thing. Um, I think I remember um, also two percent go on to, you know, art related jobs. Um, but um, I'm I'm curious if this has been updated or not, or <laughs> where any of this information comes from because it sounds like everybody everybody hears it, you know. I feel like, I mean, even though me going to undergrad and graduating in 2002 isn't a huge difference from today, 2012, but it kind of is as far as, like, how what the options were and what was out there. Um, because, we, yeah, we did the Internet in 2002, but it was not the way it is now. And I feel like the Internet has provided ways to create your own jobs. I mean, that's what I did. And I think prior to that, you know, there was only a few ways of trying to get um, gallery shows, trying to get actual jobs. And I think the way that we connect with people has made it easier. I mean, there's a lot more artists, I feel like, out there now because it's more accessible and we can connect with all these different people. And so it might be more competitive in some ways, but... I think that, um, I don't know, I don't know if that 1% is valid. I'm not sure, though. Right, right. Well, and so, you know, I, I'm trying to think in terms of when, you know, when I remember your, your work the first time I saw it. I... I'm not sure where you may have saw it first. Um, I was doing all right before grad school, and it was all painting. There was, was it the ones um, that was kind of architectural, like, Right, right. Was it, was it those paintings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was right before grad school, and so that was kind of like what I'd been doing for a few years. Um, and when I went to grad school, I kind of 
Well, I, I felt like I had a formula before grad school. Like, I knew what I was making, I had my ideas down, but I kind of almost felt like a, like I was manufacturing work, and that I was, I didn't have that fear ever, or I, I didn't have, I mean, you know, I didn't necessarily think that every painting I made was good at all, but I just kind of, I don't know, I just, I wanted to be more in the unknown, and always kind of have my foot there, and so that was a huge reason why I wanted to go to grad school. It wasn't because I wanted to teach or have my MFA. It was really just because I wanted to be put into a situation where I felt really unsure and see what happens and let myself be completely open and vulnerable to whatever comes my way, whether it be failure, success, whatever. And that's pretty much what I did. I, I let anything come my way, and I tried everything I could. So. <laughs> and, which made it really difficult, <laughs> but good at all. Sure. Not what I wanted. <laughs> well, and so then, you know, when you when you did start then, um, did you start then, you know, really kind of pushing in terms of different media, different approaches, that kind of thing? Yeah. At first, I decided to go fully into painting those first two months. Um, I hadn't oil painted in so long because I'd been using house paints and inks and acrylics. Um, on wood for a long time and so I was like well I'm just going to go back to oil painting and just kind of give it my my all for like one last hurrah of like being a painter and so I did a few uh, you know, maybe, maybe like 15 oil paintings I just kept painting over and over paintings and then then I was like alright I'm ready to kind of start something else um, but I didn't know what it was and so while I was doing these oil paintings that I wasn't that excited about, I started making these really small collages. Not because I cared about them. I didn't really think about them. I was just making them. And the next thing I know, I had tons of them filling my studio. And of course, every time an advisor came into my studio, that's what they wanted to talk about. And I was like, no, but look at the really big oil paintings. And no, they wanted to talk about all these little weird collages that I made that I had I didn't know what to say about them. I was like, I don't know. They're just like things I make while I'm just staring. And um, and I, I fought it for a long time. Like I just did not want to talk about those things. And finally, hitting towards the second semester, I started really thinking about them and started using different materials. And they started getting bigger and they started coming off the wall. And then it started turning into sculpture. And then it started turning into installation. So it became a, it was a very like linear progression of like how I got into making objects in three dimensional space. And so you know, can you, I don't know, are, are there specific bodies of work from that the period of time that were, I don't know, a bit more informative in terms of I guess I guess where you wanted to go, you know, in terms of I don't know how how successful something was, you know, because I, I would imagine that you know if you're, I don't know. If you're forced to kind of re-examine, you know, what it is that you do and you kind of have this new kind of push, it seems like there would be, you know, so many options that would be overwhelming. So were, were there any that were particularly, I don't know, helpful in kind of guiding you more towards where you wanted to go? I mean, honestly, I was completely overwhelmed and had no idea where to go. <laughs> and so I was feeling, I felt really, really frustrated pretty much daily. And... I don't know how it is with other grad schools, but we have so many advisors, which means we have so many voices constantly talking to us. And so there was a lot of 
opinions on what I should do. And so trying to, you know, go through all these voices, trying to find my own was sometimes rather difficult because mine was, you know, buried underneath all of these other people telling me what I sh- they think I should do. And so I had a hard time with that. Um, and I was, since I was in grad school, so much of it is about, like, ideas. What's your ideas, you know? What are you thinking about? What's your concepts, et cetera? And I was having a hard time grasping on what are my ideas because I was going through this complete material change. So I was trying to just understand my materials, but then also trying to, like, you know, be smart and understand my ideas, but they weren't lining up because I, you know, I was trying to, like, figure out what my relationship with materials is now since I completely abandoned what I knew. And so, I mean, I still think I think about this, but, um, so I think that, I'm trying to think, like, my first review, which was the end of the first, um, the first year, I did a series of collages and I made my first, like, really big sculpture and I don't have any documentation online about that. I think I've taken that off. <laughs> but um, I don't think I have, I think I only have my application. But, uh, and I got a lot of criticism for what I did. And, and it kind of, it was good because it made me like do something that was out in the open and people had to see it. And, but it, it wasn't really successful, but it, but it was like a good learning experience. And so that first summer I had, was the first time I kind of started trying to figure out, like, what, like, what am I just, like, thinking about? And um, I, for a long time, I was trying, I was thinking about these things that were so, like, unrelated to, like, me as a person. And I was fighting anything that had to do with, like, anything personal. Not that, like, my work is, like, super personal necessarily, but I think I was trying to make it so um, unrelated that everything felt really disconnected, and then I, as I started writing my thesis early, uh, the first um, of the second year, that's when I kind of started really thinking about just, like, who I am as a person, and, like, what I've went through over, you know, since my, since I was born, (laughs) and all of my experiences, and let that kind of start dictating how I, how I see things, and how I see things through my art practice, and I feel like it was more the writing started helping me figure out, like, what I was making. Um, but I don't think that there was any sort of group of work throughout that two years that necessarily did it <laughs> for me or anything. I think it was more of the writing and thinking was actually what helped me. And so in terms, then, of, of materials, I mean, um, and, and just to, I mean, I don't know, I think it seems like, just from somebody looking at it, it seems like that, I don't know, there's like a, there seems to be like an in- interest in, in just general kind of craftsmanship, but I mean, is there any, any kind of material or approach in kind of putting, putting what you wanted out there, you know, that was off limits or did you just kind of do absolutely everything that you could think of in terms of then kind of, you know, figuring out a way to kind of put it in and kind of mesh it with, I guess, the way that you were thinking about it in terms of writing about it? materials especially in school it's kind of like a free-for-all like whatever came my way there was a lot of found materials but then as I kept finding these materials I'm having a problem with them because I didn't really know what my relationship was with them I'm like okay I find these things 
and I'm making these kind of um, little stockings arrangements of things, but now what? Like, I kind of felt, I didn't know, like, where I was in it, I guess. Like, I was finding these things and putting these things together, but not, I just didn't know, like, where my voice was within these um, arrangements. Um, whereas now, I, over the past year, I've developed more of a relationship with certain materials, and it, it came back to painting, and I use a lot, I use things that make sense to me, so I use, I, my friend and I, we always, she's a painter as well, but then also we'll do, like, installation sculpture, and we always talk about how we do, we build by intuitive building, <laughs> because neither of us are really good at building things, <laughs> so we kind of just, like, approach it to what makes sense and so paper always makes sense to me and painting paper makes sense to me and so uh, I use a lot of paper and cardboard and I use a lot of cardboard because it's a material that has been a part of my life for over nine years now um, by having an online store and shipping every single week um, it's something that I have an abundance to and so I started building this connection with this cardboard and so I save all my cardboard and I reuse it and so a lot of a lot of the or the next material that I started getting really connected with is plaster but not plaster in the sense of making folds um, which I'll do that as well but more of like those plaster strips and just going into this meditative state of wrapping all of the cardboard and turning it into something else and so I'm really interested in how you can mediate different materials and different imagery and turning it into something else, but it still has the essence of what it once was. And so my main materials now would be plaster, cardboard, paper, paints, and then And that's, you know, again, that, and that's all in terms of what you're currently exploring. Yes. And so, I, I, I mean, in terms of that, then, um, do you find that there's any, I don't know, any things that, that have kind of uh, circled back around in terms of maybe the way that maybe some of your previous painting work um, maybe relates some way to the way that you're kind of constructing these these different kinds of environments or these different kinds of settings? Yeah, I mean, I think that my paintings um, prior to grad school all had a precarious feel to them, kind of these um, places that were kind of falling apart. Everything was very related to California, too, um, which I'm still obsessed with. The road between San Francisco and LA. It's something that I've driven so many times, and so that's always an influence for me. And so I think that that precariousness of still follows into the way that I make things now. Um, I I have this attitude that nothing's forever. Everything is just extremely temporary, and that includes our art. And so. I don't necessarily have a preciousness with anything that I make. Like, once it's made, I'm okay with it. I mean, if someone wants it or if it gets bought, that's, like, one thing. But if it's just in my studio, it's going to just find a new a new life. And so um, so I, I approach everything knowing that it's temporary and that it will be remade into something else. And so I think that that definitely relates to the way I was thinking when I was making those paintings years ago. Well, and, and I, you know, I guess I was just asking in terms of it too, just, I mean, the, you know, the way that you're kind of like, I don't know, 
making these these new kind of constructions of these things and really kind of organizing them you know it, it just it's something that when i see some of your you know most current current stuff where you we've kind of set up these environments it seems like again you're that 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 way that you're kind of orchestrating it seems like um again something that you acknowledge in terms of you know somebody seeing it right and I mean, maybe that's, you know, I, I don't know. I, it's, it might be something too, where, um, I don't know the way that you perceive it might be slightly different than the way that, you know, I might. Um, but I think, I don't know for my, for my own, for my own self, it, I, I realize that these, there's these little things that you wind up, I guess, I don't know, recognizing about your own work that might, I don't know, that might not be recognized for somebody else's. And so for me, um, I don't know the way that I the way that I seem to kind of be constructing things kind of I don't know plays a, plays a different role in that and so that's why I was kind of curious in, in terms of that relationship. Um, how do you? I'm curious how you find. Um, you know, you, you have all you you've done an extensive amount of traveling. It sounds like. Um, have you found that that has kind of played a role in terms of the way that it impacts your studio studio practice as well? Um. Actually, recently I haven't traveled, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that traveling always influences uh, any. I mean, just any experience always, you know, somehow influences your practice. Um, I, uh, I mean, currently the way that I'm working, I don't even. I don't know if traveling would. It's because I haven't really traveled in the past year. So um, I don't know how it would influence me currently, but it would be interesting to see what would happen. I'm supposed to be traveling a lot this year, possibly, um, starting actually in Chicago next month, maybe. There you um, go. So we'll see uh, how that works. But I think with this new direction, um, I'm. it would well, what I would love is to visit other people's studios or houses and kind of get a feel of like what kind of objects people collect because that's what my interest, where my interest lies at this point is kind of what, what are the things that we keep and what are the things that we buy and what is the relationships between these things and how they somehow become these kind of um, stand-ins or markers for who we are or who we want to be. And so when I go to people's houses, I'm always fascinated to see like how they, um, I don't know, I mean, even de like decorate their house, I guess. And what are, what are these things that we choose and how we do them? Does it matter then in terms of like who you're, I guess, visiting and, and, and kind of, you know, what their environment is like, or are you kind of trying to pick like entirely different kinds of people or is there, you know, like a, a set system or guidelines in terms of how you're doing that? Well, I haven't completely started that yet, but I think I would want it to be all sorts of different types of people because I feel like if it was just, for instance, artists, I think that there could be some similarities between a lot of people. <laughs> Sure. And the things that we choose, um, even though we all like to think that we're so unique, we often um, have a lot of the same interests. <laughs> so I think that it actually would be more interesting to me um, to yes, visit all sorts of different types. I mean, going to my mom's house is so different than being at my house, you know, and like just 
how people relate with our things, really. And I mean, is that and is that something? I mean, I don't know. I mean, can you? I'm trying to. I'm trying to just distill really, like you know, what it is that then you know you get so interested in in terms of seeing the, those kind of setups and those arrangements, or you know what what that might mean. I guess in terms of like what you know what you're interested in, because I mean, you know, uh, we talked we talked um, you know just briefly a, a bit about Robert Irwin, and you know, I, I know that a lot of artists are interested in. I don't know, kind of, kind of certain ideas of maybe like, you know, isolating themselves, you know, maybe going out, going out into the desert and kind of figuring these things out. And so I'm just trying to kind of figure out too, you know, you know, what it is that, 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 you know, you see or, or experience that kind of really informs that and kind of, you know, drives you to kind of be like, oh, I need to do this, you know? Well, I think that so, I, I stumbled upon my partner. Um, I think that, um, I think that being, I, I mean, I would love to be isolated sometimes as well and be in nature, but I have definitely an interest in that as well. But um, as far as my everyday of like who I am and like what I do every day is, it, I mean, it's all interconnected. And so because I run, you know, an arts organization slash store slash publishing slash doing all these different things on the internet, it makes me live on the internet. 24 7 and so I think that just after a while it just kind of started uh, seeping into my everyday where I started finding that I was getting obsessed with all sorts of different things on the internet where I like, wanted things and I just started thinking a lot about that idea of like wanting and and how we're always in this well, so many of us are always in this um, moment of desire because we see these things. We don't even know like what they are. We just want them. Like, oh, if I if I buy these um, Rachel Tomey boots, it's going to make my life better. And so there's this like idea that having certain things creates like the identity that we want. And so I'm I'm really interested in in how, especially on the internet, of, like how we've constructed our identities, especially having Facebook and Twitter and all these different things, Pinterest, supply, like we can construct these ideals of ourselves. Um, and that everything is very constructed and strategic. It's not like you're just going to say anything on the internet. You're going to be very specific about what you quote unquote like or whatnot. And so I think I didn't go into like being on the internet thinking about this, but it just kind of started I don't know, it just kind of seeped into me as I'm like, you know, tweeting all day or whatever because I have to do this for my job. And I, I, just, started, I just started thinking about it critically of like how we, how we project ourselves and not just that, but how there's no sense of sacred space anymore. Um, we used to, at one point, um, have our home as a place that is kind of this safe place. Whereas now it's like we're because we're on the internet all the time. So that's how we communicate. That's how we watch TV. That's how we do everything. That there, with all of that comes with advertisements all the time. And so there's always something being sold to us, whether it is a product or an idea. And I'm no different because I am also a product pusher. <laughs> sure, sure. So well, I thought that as artists, like I wanted to kind of look at this critically and. Um, I'm participating, yet I also like want to see 
what does this all like mean? Like, how is this, like, what's our life going to be like in the next 10 years? Because it's been moving so fast. Um, and then just like my personal connection with a lot of this idea of um, material consumption, um, because I grew up in LA, there is a lot of stigmas around that. And I did grow up in a really wealthy um, uh, neighborhood, yet we were not. <laughs> my, my mom's a teacher and stuff that was electrician, so we were a blue collar. But um, my mom always had this, like, need to, you know, keep up with appearances. I grew up with a three-car garage that never had a car in it. It was just stuff for, like, buying stuff and then, you know, not needing it. And so we're and then putting it into the garage. And so we, I, I grew up in a, like, culture, which is, you know, the American society of, like, this buying and then not needing and getting rid of and not having any sort of, like, relationship with keeping these objects and instead of um, always buying and getting something new. Um, and so that was just something that I grew up with. And so that kind of made me think a lot about that while I'm in the past year, while I've been, like, you know, doing my internet job. And that just kind of, um, I started looking at all these things that I, I started wanting. So I have, I have this uh, web I don't know if you've ever heard the website supply.com. Um, it is just a platform that you can catalog all of these things. And so they, these things started becoming like these kind of like wish images of these things that I wanted, like this book or shoes or a rug. And it, like looking at it as it just keeps going and I just keep adding more and more, it just did all these things. Started like wondering, like, what are these things? Like, I don't even know what these are. They're just like 72 DPI, like small little images. And so it made me start wanting to make them and kind of what does it mean for me to like make this thing that I only have a little image of and then it becomes this object, this art object that it isn't really the image anymore. And what, what does that mean when I put that out into the world or what happens when I photograph it and how does it constantly change? And um, so that's kind of where I'm right now right. <laughs> I answered the question oh no I, I think so um, and you know I think especially too uh, you know one of the things that you were kind of hitting at um, uh, you know the we're, we're in we're in an age with like social media is so huge um, I, I had heard something recently about how there's a drop in teenagers that have driver's licenses because they I guess live more through social media which which seems like a, um, one of the scariest thoughts ever, <laughs> um, you know, because I think, you know, I don't know, I, it, it seems like a lot of people, you know, even kind of getting back to what you were talking about earlier, you know, um, being outside, being creative, uh, coming up with these ways to, I don't know, Im imagine something else is something that I kind of, I kind of wonder where that's going to go when it's kind of set up in, in specific parameters like um, Farmville. Or, you know, set, setting it up in a way where th there's really no stakes in in anything, um, and not to necessarily get too you know too out there in terms of like a tangential topic, but um, you know, there's there's so many there's so many uh, people thinking about the relationship of technology and you know how that's going to impact us. You know, the especially the the more and more advanced that it gets. Um, 
And I, I, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I often wonder like how important it is, you know, in terms of, you know, just generally speaking, are, is anybody very much happier, you know? No, I, I I know that there is this like fear or and I've talked about this with other people of like, well, oh, I'm not online right now, like wonder what's going on. Like, oh, I there's this like need to want to when you're not online to want to get back on it and like find out what you're missing. And that is weird because it's like you and I'm totally fully a part of this, but I have this problem where it's like instead of really being in that moment of that lived experience I'll take a picture of it and put it on Facebook and um and so it's such a weird thing to like be always through these mediated uh modes where it's you're not actually living it you're living through these different various devices and um I'm not like it's not I'm not anti the internet at all like I I'm Pro internet, and I, I love all these different platforms that we can. I mean, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking if it wasn't. Right. We've created so many amazing relationships with people because of the internet. I just think that sometimes there needs to be some sort of uh, some lines to draw where you're like, all right, I need to like turn off. I need to go. Not, and I don't know how to do this. Because I have definitely a problem with being on the internet all the time, but um, it's—I don't know. I don't know what the balance is, but there should—I think there should be a balance because I do think that kids shouldn't just be, you know, on Farmville or whatever. I don't even know exactly what it is. Because <laughs> uh, I remember my brother and I—we would just be outside and have two rocks and figure out like what to do with those rocks. And next thing you know, we like came to gold and then we create a treasure map. And like treasure hunts, you know, and like that's important. Like, you need that free brain to like have nothing and create something out of it instead of already seeing what's out there because the internet has everything. Like, you don't even need to think of anything because it's already there. And so, I think that you know, sometimes stepping away is important, or actually, the money sometimes it is important. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and just having a balance of it. Um... And oh man, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to edit this in some way to kind of figure this out. But um, you know, I had heard somebody recently talking um, on another podcast, and I can't remember the name of it because I heard it like a day or two ago. But um, they're talking about just the idea of people using the word "like" so much that it replaces like an actual experience, which which kind of reminds me of you know a lot of what you're talking about, you know, in, in terms of. You know, as somebody that is a big-time foodie, um, I can't help but want to photograph everything, you know. And so kind of being – I kind of understand what you're saying in terms of kind of being stuck in that real ex- experience and and that, um, you know, it, it's. I think it's just a, a matter of just kind of managing these kind of new media so that you're not, I don't know, just completely absorbed in them, you know. Just, just like anything else, just having a balance, you know. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've talked a, a good length about, you know, your studio practice and, and a little bit about this, but could you, um, you know, talk a little bit about your, I guess, endeavors too, in, in terms of setting up uh, little paper planes and, and how that's involved, evolved from, 
like you were saying before, being something that maybe you weren't entirely invested into something that you're, you know, quite invested in now? Well, um, I mean, I started it two years after undergrad in 2004, which was just, I mean, I had no, like, real vision for it. It was just like, yeah, maybe the internet could be cool to, like, have, have a uh, online store. You know, there was no, there was no other platforms at the time. There was Tiny Showcase, and Kiddo was doing some wallets, but, I mean, for the most part, for art,
And could you kind of maybe give an example too of like something that I don't know, maybe maybe a couple of years ago you wouldn't have imagined, I guess, happening or you know, little little paper planes actually making happen through you. But um, you know, is there are there any shows or exhibitions or kind of unique projects that you wouldn't have imagined, I guess, possible just a couple of years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, especially the endeavors I want to do this year, if they actually all happen. But um, as far as what has happened, I published my first book, book, which is an artist, uh, Brian Roche, based here in San Francisco, and I never really thought that I would I mean, it was, it was pricey, but I the grad plus one and so forth. And, but just going through that, that whole process of working with an artist for two months and creating something that would end up being almost like an exhibition within a book form was really exciting. So I never really imagined going into books about a couple of years ago. Uh, so that was exciting. And then, you know, doing all of the prints. I mean, when we did your print, that was, I got the prints produced, whereas now I do all the printing, which has given me, and I print books, so that actually gives me a lot more possibilities to work with artists by opening printers. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, and then also, just um, starting to, uh, well, oh, for publishing books, like I have Chronicle Books published a book of Logan Prince that comes out in the And so I never thought that I would be a published but So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't know, I think that there's just all sorts of different, really just all the different people that I've met. And I don't even know what I thought. Right. Sure, sure. Well, you know, and it's interesting too because it really sounds like then you're, um, you know, you're allowing um, you're allowing this platform to really kind of, I don't know, not make you like like you've said a couple of times. You're not really just like A or B or C. You're kind of all of the above. You know, yeah. in terms of the way you're kind of exploring those things. Um, so you know, aside from just some studio stuff, I, I know that you know as since we are since we are connected on Facebook, um, it seems like music is something that <laughs> is still, you know, pretty important to you. Are, are there any other, um, I don't know, things that maybe aren't necessarily direct, directly related to those, those endeavors that, um, that you like to do when you're not, you know, working on them? Um, 
Um, and so, you know, we've been talking about all these other projects and, 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 you know, other interests and stuff like that. Um, is there anything that, I don't know, you could, are there any particular exhibitions or anything, um, that I guess you've seen in, in recent past that you kind of feel, I don't know, something, something that was like a really powerful impact for you, for example. I just saw the Fantastic Woodman show, the photography show at SF MoMA, but was really amazing. Um, not that I do photography or photography in that way, but I just thought what she was doing in the 70s was pretty amazing, especially because I feel like so many art students since then, especially art students, uh, seem to make a lot of work like that, and so I feel like she was at the beginning of something special and it's pretty tragic that she ended up in suicide. Um, so the, the work was really powerful and important. Um, let's see, what else is nice? Of course, now I'm blanking out. Well, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, you know, it's interesting to, to you know, hear what, what I guess people really wind up being affected by because, you know, some... You know, sometimes people don't even wind up naming exhibitions. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I had an artist, uh, Ron Jackson, on who was just talking about um, just being in, in this, well, what is now the Midwestern dreary gray sky season, um, but just kind of s- spending time and kind of, kind of really being immersed in stuff like that, you know, just looking at the sky. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to just be, you know, this mind-shattering exhibition kind of thing either. Um but in, in terms of following that up, I mean, is there is there anything that you'd like, um, you know, anybody that would be listening to uh, check out any exhibitions that you have coming up, um, or you know, projects that you're working on that that people should check out? Right now, I'm just working towards um, this one performance, which will be at the Berkeley Art Museum in um, April 15th. And Sure, without having that pressure. What was that? I said sure, you know, without without having, you know, the the pressure, I don't know anything of like in terms of deadlines just to kind of work out ideas as opposed to, you know, just feel like you're always under the gun. Right. I mean there's there's two different ways of working. And I feel like a lot of times we really need to have that deadline. Um, but then when you don't have but when you have the deadline you're like, Oh, I just wish I didn't have a deadline. Don't have a deadline. It's kind of like, well, why don't I have a deadline? Right. <laughs> like, it's weird. It's back and forth. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think 
for sure, for sure. Well, um, and for those for those that are interested in um, what do you what do you suggest is the the best way to to know what's going on in your world? Um, but I mean, in, in terms of like, like your projects is, is your blog site kind of the, be, the, the, I guess the most up to date or, um, is it just a matter of checking out all of that stuff? Sure, sure. Um, well, and there's definitely a few projects that have been for Well, um, again, thanks for uh, putting up with all the technical issues today. I hope um, I hope you don't sound like a robot. <laughs> I do, I guess. Well, once again, thanks very much to Kelly Lynn Jones for joining us today. You can find out more about her work by visiting kellylynnjones.com. You can become a fan by adding Little Paper Planes on Facebook.com. You can follow it on Twitter. And again, be sure to check out littlepaperplanes.com. Featured music for today's podcast provided by Free Music Archive. Again, I found out about Gringo Star. Again, the intro song was Count Your Lucky Stars, and we're going to be taken out with all y'all. Also remember that you can visit studiobreak.com to see old artist posts. You can find out more about artists' websites, see their work, so please check that out. If you haven't already become a fan, you can become a fan on Facebook. As always, you can check out more artists by visiting studiobreak.com, where you'll find links for all their information and images of their work. As always, you can visit studiobreak.com for more information about artists, see their websites and some of their artwork. You can also receive Studio Break updates by becoming a fan on Facebook. And just one last reminder, for those of you that like iTunes, you can subscribe to the Studio Break podcast under iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store, look up Studio Break under podcasts. And please, if you happen to prefer listening that way, please leave us some feedback and That's all we've got for today. We'll talk to you real soon.
Thank you. Thanks for Gringo Star. Thanks WFMU for having us. WFMU.